Welcome to today's episode of The Dream in Code Podcast with discussions on software and web development, technology, and IT trends. Here is your host, Dan Delamarski. So we're on the next episode of the Dreaming Code podcast, and today my guest is Michael Crump, uh, who is a MCPD. Is that right? That is correct. All right. So, uh, Michael, tell us about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Okay. Hello. Uh, my name is Michael Crump. I work at a nonprofit hospital in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, developing ASP.NET, Windows Forms to Silverlight to WPF applications. Uh, during my day job, I have a night job kind of working for myself on pretty much any project uh, that challenges me, uh, mainly including uh, Silverlight and uh, Windows Phone 7. Awesome. So you started your own user group, XAML user group, is that right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the uh, website, as a little plug here, is allaboutxaml.net, and uh, it is a, a XAML-based uh, user group that we pretty much you know, talk about all things XAML. So going from Silverlight to WPF to Windows Phone to uh, Surface, pretty much everything that involves uh, XAML. Awesome. So just on a side note, every website you're mentioning, I'm going to put them in the show notes. So okay. we'll have the links for the user group, for your blog. So that's cool. So how, how many members do you have in your user group? Oh, actually, we just had our first meeting, and uh, I think we have five members that are actually registered right now. But but our last meeting, uh, we had you know somebody show up that you know did not register, and you know I sent out a couple of tweets, you know if, if you're in the Birmingham area, you know to come visit us. So I'm trying to get people to actually register through the site where we can kind of uh, keep up with everybody. But um, uh, right now, I guess since it's kind of new, uh, I haven't got a whole lot of that i'm just happy that if anybody shows up we can uh we you know we can discuss the uh, xaml cool that's awesome so in the context of the group what other things do you do other than just uh talk about do you guys have some projects community projects yeah uh, what well, one of the things that uh, i'm planning on doing is an actual uh, windows phone uh, 7 app for our user group i believe there is a uh, contest by uh, telerik that they're sponsoring where basically they'll pay a hundred dollars or so if a user group builds an application they'll also you know give some free controls and things like that so uh, I'm planning on building an application and maybe getting a couple of members involved and uh, while we're building that application uh, do a majority of it um, there at our user group meetings because we're uh, we're kind of following an approach that you know, we want an open floor, open discussion, pretty much all of the time, and uh, you know, we want we want people to be involved. It, you know, this is not about me. It's not about you know some of the other uh, leaders of the group. It it is about learning and sharing and you know the community. Well, it seems like you got a great plan. So people know you as a Silverlight enthusiast from Twitter, from your blog. You pretty much cover pretty much everything Silverlight that's out there. So yes. why did you choose Silverlight as your primary RIA platform when, of course, there's like bigger competitors that are well-established like Flash, for example? Uh, the main reason that I picked uh, Silverlight as my primary RIA platform was because of uh, my existing C-sharp skill set. 
I'd spent you know uh, several years uh, studying C sharp and using C sharp in my day job, which you know is primarily my doing Windows Forms and ASP.NET. And when I started to get, I guess, frustrated with uh, CSS and with applications basically not working or not looking the same in different browsers, I started looking at the plugins and. Since I had already, you know, been working in C Sharp, Silverlight to me was a, pretty much an obvious choice, you know, to start developing with that because I would get the same experience, in, you know, in different in different browsers without any additional work on my part. So, what do you find the most valuable feature about Silverlight? Oh, I think I have to say, I guess a typical answer that most people say is uh, the video. Um, I developed a video streaming application, uh, and this application may be used maybe just a couple hundred times, uh, maybe by a, a hundred people at one time, max. And I found that the streaming is is just so smooth. Um, everybody's able, you know, to view the content without, you know, lag or anything like that. The other most valuable feature, I guess, it goes back to it just works with different browsers and different operating systems. I, I have I cannot tell you how many times I've been bitten by you know oh well you know it works perfect in IE8, but then when we look at it on IE6 like an ASP.NET application, it looks horrible. And you know then you have to bring in some other tools like uh, Expression Super Preview and Browser Shots and some of the other websites to you know kind of help you try to get your site looking uh, the same across different web browsers. So have you experienced any cross-platform problems? Um, I'm not sure. I know on Linux there's Moonlight, the Moonlight plugin. And what's the compatibility between the actual Silverlight, what you have on Windows, and what you have on Linux? You know, I, I'm not very familiar with Moonlight. Um, I have, I've read you know, a little bit about it. And I have played with a couple of uh, virtual machines where I've installed Linux and I've tested out my site. But um, I'm probably not the best person to uh, to speak on, uh, you know, Moonlight. Mm -hmm. But I, I know I know that it, it works pretty well. And, uh, you know, uh, here recently I read in the news that um, it's now uh, supporting uh, Silverlight 4, I believe, uh, Novell and uh, Microsoft announced that. So, um uh, it look it it looks like a, a good product. Hmm. So, for you coming from you worked with WinForms, right? Yes, a lot of WinForms. Yes. So coming from a WinForms background, where the layout is done either visually or in code, was it hard to get used to XAML? Because that's kind of a a bit unusual. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. It was. Uh, it, it took some adjusting. Really, for me to get used to, uh, say, for example, the grid, the stack panel, uh, the view box, understanding these controls. And, you know, since the uh, grid is the default um, default layout that you know Silverlight uses uh, when you create a new application, of course, that's what you know a lot of people start using, and you know it, it may be the right tool for the job. But understanding the rows and the columns and uh, the row span and column span. Uh, it it took a little getting used to for me. Uh, I had to uh, I had to really just sit down and just play with it. And uh, after a couple of hours, I had a lot of the basics down. And then you know when you start getting into understanding, 
you know, attached properties and, you know, things like that. Of course, that, that takes even uh, a little bit more time, you know, to learn. So, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it was pretty hard to get used to the uh, XAML layout. How did you learn it? Were there any books or you relied on MSDN and only online resources? I read a lot of books. Um, I think uh, last year I read through uh, four Silverlight books. I'm also a technical reviewer on a, a new Silverlight book that's that's about to come out, and I'm planning on doing some of that with Silverlight 5. But uh, most of my information, I would say that I, I got it from online. Um, I, I did. I, I've read a lot of the MSDN uh, documentation, but I found that a lot of the times that, you know, some guy would post a blog, you know, that would tell exactly, you know, what I needed. And then, of course, um, even though I don't really post very often, uh, I'm a big believer in Stack Overflow. And uh, I think Stack Overflow is just a wonderful site as far as question and answers. And um, I, you know, could search for that question on Stack Overflow, and I would say probably, you know, 85% of the time, especially with, you know, I guess newbie type of questions, I would find the answer on Stack Overflow. Mm -hmm. So you're active in the community too now that you have the knowledge you're trying to help others. Oh, uh, absolutely. And that's, I guess, community is one of the things that's that's very important to me. If, if I can somehow prevent uh, somebody from spending, you know, two or three hours researching a problem that I've already done, that I've already, you know, already have the solution for then I mean that makes me uh, that makes me very happy you know different people get their kicks from different things and uh, helping out and uh, you know having a user email me and tell me oh you know I was up at midnight researching this I found your blog and you know I found the solution and a lot of the times uh, I post things on my blog and I'm thinking well you know nobody nobody will ever find this useful and you know a couple of months later, you know, somebody will leave a comment or, you know, saying, yeah, that was exactly what I needed. So I guess to everybody else out there, you know, it doesn't matter what the problem is. You know, if you're blogging, put it on a blog um, and somebody somewhere will find it useful. So you're actually one of the most active Silverlight bloggers I know. How do you come up with the stuff that you blog about? I mean, how do you know what topics to blog about? Because I, I, I think you come out with like four or five posts. I mean, I can see links on Twitter all the time. Yeah, a, a lot of my posts are actually real-world uh, things that I have hit. And uh, when I develop an application, and uh, one of the applications was a personal website, I came up with a whole lot of blog posts, and a lot, a, several of those I haven't even gotten to yet. But most of the time, it's real world. I'm also a pretty heavy Twitter user, and I see a lot of uh, problems that uh, you know people are posting. I I use TweetDeck, and I keep a couple of the columns you know that I'm searching. For example, Silverlight and Windows Phone 7. If I see the same problem over and over and over again, um, I, more than likely, if I know how to do it, I will blog. And if I don't know how to do it, I will learn about it, and then I'll put a blog post out. I was just going to say, so it's pretty much driven by users and by just whatever I'm currently working on at the time. <laughs> hmm. So is it hard to dedicate some time 
for blogging and actually community problem solving when you have um, a job and you probably have, I mean, real things you get paid for and you don't get paid for blogging? Is it hard to dedicate time for it? It, it absolutely. Um, uh, what I like to do is either uh, late at night or you know possibly early in the morning. Uh, I will do a lot of my blogging, and I use a live writer and I use a couple of add-ins that kind of help me uh, speed up, you know, like pasting uh, code snippets and things like that. So um, yeah, it, it's hard to find the time and to find the balance, but. I find that the amount of happiness, I guess, that I get out of uh, out of a Silverlight blog post or out of helping somebody, um, uh, is really all that I need. And um, you know, my paying jobs, you know, they are great and all, and they provide for my family, but um, they don't really uh, they don't really fuel me the way that a blog post probably would. Hmm. So, getting back on the technical topic. The Silverlight environment is basically a sandboxed environment. Do you feel that it is too restrictive for you coming from a background where Windows is you can do whatever you want and there is Silverlight that says, no, you actually have this limit and that's it? You know, when I first started uh, working with Silverlight, I probably would have said that it was too restrictive, uh, mainly with a couple of things like the file system access. You know, it's, it's primarily limited, and you know, most of the dialog boxes have to be user initiated, and kind of the same for the print and uh, the clipboard. But after working with Silverlight, you know, for a little while, I found that I've been able to work around uh, most of those. And as far as you know, security and a secure application, I'm pretty happy with Silverlight Sandbox kind of the way it is right now. So, are there any features that you think should be de-sandboxed or available outside of sandbox? You know, I, I really can't complain. Now, I have needed the ability before to uh, go full screen, and uh, right now in Silverlight 4, uh, the user has to uh, click a button in order to go uh, full screen. And I've, of course, I've tried you know ways around that, you know, to make it go full screen, but for security reasons. It's probably better that that feature is uh, is sandboxed, but of course it is something that has come up before that I've I've kind of wanted to get around. Mm. So, do you think that Silverlight that runs in the browser is as powerful as Silverlight out of browser? You know, I think they really each play to their own, I guess, strengths and weaknesses. Um, I really love the way that an outer browser looks like it's just a a normal Windows application that you installed, you know, with an icon and with the ability, you know, that we have to customize it and, you know, give tooltips, you know, and things like that. But I'm also, you know, very proud of just the in-browser, um, you know, just giving a user a URL and being able, you know, to run code, I think is also very powerful. So um, yeah, I, I you know I'd say I think they they each play to their own their own strengths and weaknesses, mm -hmm. and uh, it's probably another thing I wouldn't change. Mm -hmm. So Silverlight Outer Browser can we replace WPF? Because I know I've read opinions about people saying that they are abandoning WPF and starting developing Silverlight OOB because they assume that Microsoft's going to abandon WPF. 
Yeah, and I've heard a lot of the talks about Silverlight abandoning or the teams abandoning um, WPF. But to answer your question, you know, can Silverlight out of browser replace WPF? You know, I don't really think so. Um, WPF has a very, I guess, special you know place with interacting with the desktop that uh, you know I don't really think that Silverlight should do um, like you know synchronous data calls especially low level access to drivers um, you know it's nice to be able to write to a file anywhere in WPF and there's also um, OS specific uh, APIs I personally whether this may not be the popular opinion uh, I would rather keep them separate mm-hmm so basically what you're saying is WPF, one of the highlights for WPF is the access to Win API. Yes, yes. Mm. So let's talk about your project. And uh, your first one is, of course, your website, your Silverlight website. And why did you just decide to build an entire website in Silverlight? Yeah, this was, uh, this was uh, really more of a hobby project. Um, I knew that it could be done. I guess I just wanted to uh, see if it could be done. I know that kind of sounds strange, but um, I, I typically, you know, market myself around Silverlight. And uh, I guess if I were to hire someone, you know, that works with Silverlight, I would like to see what kind of, you know, work they do. And uh, a lot of the times, I think it's, you know, it's more important to see, you know, what projects, you know, somebody has actually worked on. Rather than you know, um, I guess a resume you know full of you know either certifications or awards or degrees you know or things like that, I've always I've always believed that you know the proof was in you know what that person can actually do and um, you know it is to me it was kind of a marketing tool even though I, I feel that of course I could have done better on it but it was uh, it was just a it was kind of just a fun. A fun site, a fun hobby project. So I think blog-wise, I only know you, and I think Justin Angel has a blog built completely in Silverlight. Yes, and uh, also uh, Jeremy Lickness from Wintellect. Uh, he has he has a blog that's built in uh, Silverlight as well, and uh, we both actually use the same uh, application theme, which is called uh, uh, Jetpack. That was provided by Microsoft. So uh, that is the only three Silverlight uh, developers that I know that actually that tried to try to do that. Well, that's so kind of nice. Yeah, you, you guys kind of sort of a Silverlight elite when it comes to blog <laughs> engines built, built on top of Silverlight. So the loading times for a Silverlight-based app are usually bigger than those of a standard HTML-based website. Uh, were you generally concerned about that performance overhead that you have on on load? Uh, absolutely. Um, everybody, you know, they want their website to load extremely fast. And I didn't want uh, my website, you know, to take a minute to load or anything like that. And I know a majority of people are on broadband now. And I think my zap file was only uh, maybe two megs, if that. So uh, I did a couple of things to prevent, um, I guess, you know, to prevent a. Um, the user from downloading a lot of things. I used a tool by Component One. Uh, I think it was called Zap Optimizer, which basically uh, prunes uh, unused references. And there's a couple of other things, for example, I guess that I was trying to save on uh, bandwidth, where um, you know I'm calling 
like I have a PDF on my site that you know it will it will only download the PDF if basically if you click on that tab and I'm also a pretty big believer in uh, using application caching, which is a built-in uh, feature uh, with a Silverlight project that uh, common DLLs that are typically included uh, with most projects, um, it will basically cache those where you don't have to download those every time. Mm. So how long did it take for you to build a website? Yeah, since this was, a, I guess, a freebie, um, you know, I was making no money on it because it was, of course, mine. Uh, I really built it whenever I had a little spare time. I would say that overall, I, I used a lot of uh, I used a, a lot of I guess um, third-party controls and things like that to help me speed it up, uh, like MVVM Lite. Uh, I would probably say it took me about one week from uh, start to finish, you know, to build the site. What were some problems that you encountered along the way? I would assume that since you're using the third-party components, there were some integration problems? Um, one small problem that I had was uh, with using, uh, when I dynamically load the PDF file, um, some of the fonts that I was using in my the original PDF file, they didn't come uh, through to Silverlight because they weren't a Silverlight uh, built-in font. So uh, with the control that I was using, I had to uh, I had to actually adjust the font to uh, one of the built-in Silverlight fonts because at that time it wasn't supported to use uh, an external font like you know for example you can embed you know whatever Silverlight font that you want especially it's very easy to use an expression blend it's just a check mark but I wasn't able to do that um, with this control. And now since you mentioned expression blend. Do you actively use it, or you're working more in a, uh, let's say, manual manner when writing XAML on your own? I use Expression Blend um, as much as I can. Um, I know there's been a lot of talks about, you know, how I guess it's uh, uh, adds extra code. And say, for example, if you add something from the Silverlight Toolkit and you remove it, of course, it doesn't remove the references and things like that. You know, I believe that any good uh, Silverlight WPF uh, Windows Phone developer has to understand XAML in order to build applications, and that you know it's fine to use tools like Expression Blend to you know speed things up, but um, you really you really need to have the background in XAML. Now, while to, for me, where Expression Blend really shines is creating uh, storyboards. Uh, animations and things like that. I really uh, couldn't imagine, you know, doing things like that <laughs> through uh, through just uh, the editor. Yeah, um, hundreds of lines of XAML code. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I can relate to that. So, is it harder for you to update a Silverlight-based website than it would be for a regular website? Well, for uh, my Silverlight. Uh, website. Um, there was a couple of things that I knew would be changing uh, all the time, and uh, one of them was um, community involvement, and also have another little tab of uh, uh, sites that I've been featured on. And so, uh, what I actually did was uh, I have an XML-based uh, file that I update through a little web service that I built. And uh, this web service, you know, I basically post, you know, the name. Of the uh, 
a website that referenced my articles. And then, of course, I put a link to it. And then I just hit a submit button, and it adds uh, it adds that you know dynamically to the site. So for my site, I'm using a lot of uh, web references, you know, to do some of the updating. Thankfully, most of that site isn't really being done. Uh, you know, I don't really have to do a lot of manual updates. So um, it, it's probably harder to update a Silverlight-based application, though. Um, if you don't put these type of, uh, you know, if you don't code these type of things in there. Automation is like doing everything that, it's like, you know, the best system administrators, the best administration administrators are those who don't oh, do anything. And it's like the computer does everything for themselves. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> I think that's your case. Like delegate everything to web services, let them do all the job. And I'm just going to update the XML file. That's exactly. awesome. <laughs> so. Are you still concerned about the fact that there are people out there that don't have the Silverlight plugin installed, or some people that say that they don't want the Silverlight plugin? Yeah, you know that's always been kind of in the back of my mind. Uh, thankfully, the uh, Silverlight plugin is around uh, four megs, four to five megs, I believe, the last time that I checked. And you know, I'm worried, you know, that people, you know, that they won't install it. But I found that if you can give people, um, I guess, a reason to install it, the most classic example is probably the Netflix uh, browser. Uh, Netflix, of course, uses Silverlight for their movies, and if you click on a movie, you know, and they present this beautiful uh, screen that you know it basically says you're minutes away, you know, from viewing this movie. I believe you can get around that by giving, I guess, a user experience that makes them want to click it. And to install it, but uh, sure that that comes up in, in in more of the corporate environments where you know they're you're developing sort of a lot, line of business applications. You you can control that a little bit better. I know at the nonprofit that I work at, you know we control that all of the computers are running Silverlight, and we even know what version that they are on. So, um, mm-hmm. and I'm curious. How do you obtain analytical information on Silverlight website? Because probably Google Analytics is not really compatible with Silverlight websites. Yeah, uh, what uh, what you can use is uh, the Microsoft uh, Silverlight Analytics Framework. Um, that's a uh, msaf.codeplex.com. You can use that tool. Now it's funny that you mentioned Google Analytics because. I actually put uh, Google Analytics, um, you, you know, whenever you create a Silverlight application, you have a .html and a .aspx. Well, in my ASPX file, I decided to go ahead and put some Google Analytics uh, tracking on that site. Um, I didn't really care about the page clicks, even though, I, you know, the site supports deep linking, so I could, you know, put somebody on one uh, web, web page if I wanted to. I actually am using Google Analytics just to uh, just to kind of track, you know, the people that are coming to the site and you know basically looking at the different browsers. But the Microsoft Silverlight Analytics framework would probably be a better choice, and uh, that's freely available on CodePlex. Mm. So I'm curious right now, what control did you use to render the resume PDF? Uh, yes, that was actually a uh, component one Silverlight control called the PDF Viewer, and um, I have been lucky enough that um, if you follow my blog, you'll see that uh, I give away Silverlight controls every month, 
mm-hmm. and I've, I've developed a pretty good relationship with most of the Silverlight third-party control uh, companies, and um, they usually provide me with license uh, to their products. And well, I love Component One. I have been uh, using Component One for a while. I believe they have solid products, and uh, PDF Viewer is one of the things that I've never seen uh, any other third-party company, um, you know, create. So it was a obvious choice for me to go with uh, to go with their Viewer because it was already uh, built. Um, it's great because it has printing and everything kind of built, you know, out of the box, and it was really maybe three lines of XAML. And then, of course, I did a, a web client call, you know, to dynamically pull the PDF file. If you had hard coded the PDF file, then wouldn't have even required that. So it was just it was just very very easy to use their tools. And I guess one other thing about Component One that I like is that um, while they probably don't officially want me to tell everybody, they have a lot of their devs that uh, are on Twitter. And I I encountered a few problems, not with that control, but with some other things. And uh, their development team would respond almost instantly. So if you put the component one hashtag, then more than likely you'll get a response from one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind, you know, because I, I, I have a plan. And yeah, it'll be good to know. And what improvements or additions do you actually plan on adding to, to the website? What do you have now? You know, right now I really don't have anything planned. Um, as I, you know, as I really pretty much use that as a marketing tool, um, I'm sure if uh, if I add, you know, if I build some more projects out and you know some other things that I kind of want to show off, that you know I may, you know, may add some, uh, um, I may add a tab or two to it. But yeah, I'm pretty pretty happy with it just the way it is right now. Mm. Awesome. So let's talk about some Windows Phone 7. And you developed your own application that lets Windows Phone 7 owners keep track of what you post on your blog and generally your online presence. So you are basically downloading the RSS feed for your blog, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly it. Um, I think that was just a simple, uh, I'm using a, a web request and basically just parsing through that and pulling out the title. And... Uh, one of the things that I have been looking at to make that a little bit easier is uh, the syndication feed, which um, now I believe you can use the version 4.0 in Silverlight, and it pops up a box saying, you know, I believe that you may get undesired results or something like that if you add that to a Windows Phone application, but you can go ahead and hit yes, and it works. It works just fine. So. The second version of that application that I'm building, I'm actually using the syndication feed because I think you know I'm down to maybe six lines of code for the entire uh, for the entire uh, RSS feed. Mm. So you're basically using libraries that were not exactly supposed to be on Windows Phone. Yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> so you're also using Twitter. That's what I saw in the app. Yes. Did you implement your own uh, stream retrieval engine, or using some library like TweetSharp? Yeah, that I, I I pretty much just grabbed my timeline and I used uh, XElement to parse through the XML and get my status and so forth. I believe I looked at TweetSharp, but it was an extra. 
DLL to add, and I'm not familiar at the time if, if it required OAuth, but I didn't want to sign up for a key or anything like that, and what I was doing was so simple that um, I basically am just grabbing my uh, screen name uh, from the api.twitter.com, and yeah, just parsing through it using X-Element. Mm. Now, since you already have experience with Silverlight, I would assume it wasn't a big problem to create a Silverlight-based app on Windows Phone 7, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had pretty much no problems. But, I mean, did you have some issues given the fact that the Windows Phone 7 is even more restrictive than the Silverlight itself? You know, that app and some of the other apps that I've used, they they so far I've used pretty simple stuff. I haven't used anything that was that was uh, I guess too hardcore. Now I have noticed that um, some of the animations and uh, some of the uh, storyboards and you know maybe have something to do with the resources. But I've tried pasting before a uh, uh, storyboard or something that was created in Silverlight into Windows Phone Seven. And uh, I had problems, and I had, you know, I had a couple of issues with that. Mm. And have you developed for other mobile platforms before? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, Windows uh, Mobile 6.5, which that was a horrible experience. Um, and uh, I, I played with um, several WebKits. Um, I think iWebKit. Um, there's also jQuery uh, Mobile. Um, there's been a couple of little, uh, I guess, free apps that I've been, I've just been working with on, on, on my spare time, and I've been using those because, you know, I, I've wanted to, you know, I guess target all of the, all of the phones at once, the iPhone and the Android phones and the Windows Phone 7. I have had a little bit uh, of difficulty uh, getting uh, the Windows Phone 7 browser. To uh, I guess display content uh, that looks properly in other browsers, for example, Android and iPhone, and I think a lot of that's because of CSS3 that I was using. And now that you mentioned the Windows Mobile 6.5, what were some improvements that you say Windows Phone 7 is a major step on top of what was in Windows Mobile 6.5? I guess having been familiar uh, right off the bat with XAML uh, helps helped me a lot um, with getting it, you know, getting it to going. And I remember ActiveSync with uh, 6.5. You had to install it. I experienced, you know, you know, several bugs just kind of getting it, you know, getting it installed and getting it going. With Windows Phone 7, most of it they've done they've done right. Um, very easy, you know, to register your phone, to get your application on an emulator. Um, everything is is integrated so well in Windows Windows Phone Seven. I would I would recommend you know anybody that you know wants wants an easy way to develop for a phone to check out the Windows Phone Seven. Uh, you know, and I, I've also played with you know the Android uh, two point two, and also played with some Android. 1.5, and um, I've recently been invited to uh, MonoDroid, and uh, I've been checking that out, which is, you know, you can use uh, Visual Studio to actually create a uh, Android-based project, but uh, I haven't found anything that I, I have enjoyed like the Windows Phone 7. Mm. 
So how long did it take you to build the application? Oh, that first version, uh, I would say probably a couple of hours. Um, I am a uh, pathetic designer, and uh, I probably spent more time trying to get the logo and uh, the image is correct and uh, more more than anything I, I have tried to learn uh, paint.net and I've tried to do uh, some Photoshop most both of those applications you know maybe I can do some of the basics but um, I uh, developing and editing uh, you know two you know f editing photos are two different things for me and so um, I would rather uh, have a designer actually uh, build my logos and uh, just give me all of the images to use for my application and mm. uh, I'll be concerned more with the with the code <laughs> so was your application instantly approved in a marketplace when you got it done submitted it and there it is yes uh, I was actually um, uh, a geotrust is you know uh, the signing. Yeah. The guys uh, who manage the certificates. Yeah, they they manage the certificates, and I remember before the marketplace ever opened, um, I have I have several friends in the uh, uh, developer evangelist friends that have had helped me. You know, go ahead and get approved, and um, I, you know, I remember with the Windows Phone Seven, I think I got approved in uh, maybe three days. And uh, I was also, I think, the first. I was in the first 100 people to submit an application for the Windows Phone 7. So, um, did they give you a plaque? <laughs> uh, actually, uh, they gave me a uh, hundred dollar uh, gift certificate, and they also uh, sent me a T-shirt. And then they uh, they asked if I wanted my app to be on the featured of. And, you know, at that time, I was really thinking that there was other apps that, you know, may be more appealing because my application is really only marketing towards developers. And I wanted to see the Windows Phone um, succeed, you know, based off of other apps that everybody would enjoy and not just a few handful of developers. So I, I, I think I respectfully told them not to feature my app on the uh, featured uh, market. Well, but still, yeah, what matters is the honor. I mean, being one of the first 100. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that was great. It was, you know, it was nice that, you know, they decided to uh, give me uh, back the $100 registration fee. Sure. So basically, you got a free ride in the marketplace. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. So uh, speaking about the application, before you actually released it, did you test it in the emulator or you already had your – because I know you have a Samsung Focus. Yes, uh, I tested a lot with the emulator, but I was also lucky enough to get the prototype. Uh, I believe I got a prototype LG phone, and I think I got that back in June of uh, uh, 2010. So I, I had a phone pretty much, you know, months before it, the general public had the phone, and and I was able to, you know. Published my app on that phone. I also, I went to a couple of Starbucks and you know tweeted out, you know, if you're around in the area and you want to test your, you know, if you want to test your app out on an actual phone, you know, come to Starbucks. We'll, you know, talk computers and you can play, you know, play with the phone. And uh, so, um, yeah, between the emulator and the prototype of phone, 
that was that was pretty much everything that I used. And now, of course, I use my Samsung Focus for all of my testing. But do you still have the prototype phone? Actually, no. Um, uh, a representative from Microsoft asked if, uh, basically, if I could give that back for they could uh, they could give it to one of their other evangelists, and um, I told them, you know, yes, absolutely. So uh, I shipped the phone back and. Uh, one of the evangelists has it, and I think since that prototype phone has, uh, it has a slower processor, and there's, you know, there's a couple of other little things about it. I think they were using it, you know, to uh, test and to show the differences between the real hardware and the prototype hardware. So yeah, I don't have it anymore. It's it's gone. Just oh. the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still using the prototype phone for development. It's one of the first uh, oh. Samsungs. That's... Oh okay. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. Is it the Samsung Focus? Is it more performant, more efficient? You know, the Samsung Focus it it runs. Uh, it's very smooth. You know, going you know between the different uh, you know screens in an app, it it's it's pretty fast. I, I like I like the Focus a lot. It, it has that very slick uh, screen on it too. So so. Now, one of the questions I'm curious about: Did you ever try to use the unofficial unlock tool for Windows Phone Seven? You know, I have not tried it. Uh, I believe you're referring to Chevron yes. the WP Seven. Yeah. I I have not tried it, but I I read you know I read a little bit about it. I have uh you know I, I kind of keep up with the uh, Windows Phone Seven hacking scene, and you know I've seen some of the. Uh, the ROMs that are edited, and you can do you know a couple of more things. I think they are uh, cool, but you know I can pretty much I can sideload apps right now you know without having that. Um, you know I don't want to be involved in you know piracy or anything like that. So I guess I've really never had um, I've never had a reason to uh, to uh, use it because. Microsoft has always been so, I guess, great at providing me, you know, the tools and everything that I need that uh, I've just never really needed it. Mm. So are there any stats you would like to share about your application? Like how many downloads, you know, how many reviews? Uh, I think I've only had about uh, maybe 150, 175 uh, downloads for it. Um, I guess one... A uh, word of advice for a uh, for a young developer or, or any type of developer is uh, is marketing. I believe that you know marketing is one of the most important things that you can uh, do for yourself and for your career. And um, you know, I, you know, while I may not be you know the smartest guy, which I know I'm not, in the world. Um, I believe that by marketing yourself, you can let people know that you exist, and you know it can open up a lot of opportunities. So um, that's just one of the things that I think you know everybody needs to everybody needs to be involved in that in some point, and whatever means that you can find that, um, I think you should do it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's all about getting your name out there. Sure. And uh, you're. Actively working with the new Coding for Fun toolkit now that uh, Clint Rutkus is managing it. The, sure. What are some interesting aspects that you think make this a great tool for Windows Phone 7 developers? You know, I, I really like um, 
I really like how easy it is. Um, a couple of things that I'm actually using, I'm developing the second version of that uh, of my MichaelCrump.net app, and um, one of the things that I've, I've always liked was uh, the clean about box that the Coding for Fun toolkit provides. It is uh, it can it can be up to two lines of code, and uh, it provides a very nice clean interactive about box. So you can click on one button and it goes to Twitter. You can add your email, you can add your um, website, uh, your name, and a couple of other things like that. Um, another control that I think is really great is the uh, uh, progress overlay, which is your loading screen. And uh, I'm also using the loading screen in my, in my new app. And, uh, of course, when it's it's fetching the RSS feed or the Twitter timeline, it would you know pop up a loading screen that um, you know that the user can see. Uh, they also have a very uh, nice uh, input box. So if you needed to just grab some information, for example, an email address or a phone number, um, it, you can do that with just a few lines of code. And you can also change the input scope to, say, for example, a postal code or a URL or just text, whatever you want. And uh, I mean, all of this is provided, you know, free of charge. They've also released. Uh, version 1.1, 1 .1, and you can you can do other things like uh, Boolean um, uh, visibility converters. They have a way to get information out of your uh, WM app manifest files. Say, for example, if you wanted to grab the title out of that, um, it's just a free set of controls that I believe it's it, it it's so helpful for you know Windows Phone 7 developers that. Um, they should check it out, and also the DLLs are very small that you can add uh, that you have to add to your project. So if you only want one or two things, well, you don't have to add all four of the DLLs. You can only grab what you need and leave the rest out. So very small, very small um, uh, DLLs. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Now talking about DLLs, do you believe that it's better to use third-party controls in your apps rather than develop your own? Even if the case is that. Some of them are not that hard to re-implement. For example, the same the about box. Yeah, you know, learning purposes, you really you really should develop your own if you can. Now, I typically tend to use a lot of uh, third-party controls. You know, for I guess the true rapid application development. The reason that I guess I like to use third-party controls is that. They're usually, uh, I guess it's organized better. There is a whole set, you know, of programmers, developers that are dedicated to building this control. That are also tested by them. So if you develop your own, you also, you know, you kind of have to, you know, put the risk out there. You know, are you going to be able? You're developing it pretty much to the best of your ability, which, you know, a lot of the times you may not know the best way to do things versus you know grabbing another third-party control which the only real I guess con there is that you're not really learning a whole lot if you use their control and also a lot of the times you're going to have to pay for their control but um, I, I, I typically tend to look for speed and if the control has been tested and a lot of the times third-party controls you know give me that. Oh. Have you ever gone beyond the documented part of the SDK and work with less known features like, you know, uh, there's this Microsoft.phone.interop services? No, not yet. I, I haven't had the, I guess, the reason to yet. But if, uh, 
if if there ever was a requirement that I needed to, I would uh, jump into it uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm, because I know it offers some like access to the file system. I'm not sure the application will go to the marketplace with that kind of stuff in. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's an interesting thing to work with. So, in one of your posts, I remember that you mentioned that Silverlight needs out-of-the-box obfuscation. I think it was, uh, the post was named like some 10, 10 features of Silverlight needs yeah. or something around that. So, do you think the same is needed for Windows Phone 7 XAP packages? Because it's possible to intercept those packages really easy. Rename to zip and get the used libraries, references. And the thing you mentioned, you can run it through Reflector and you can basically discover the whole thing. You know, I have always been a believer in obfuscation, um, mainly because I believe that if you have a commercial product or you have something that you're making, you know, or you're planning on making money on, it is, you know, your right, you know, to protect your uh, your application. And, you know, while there is several free uh, obfuscators out there, um, I I believe there's really no reason, I guess, not to. Um, even with using obfuscators, I've seen at times that while they may, you know, they may be renaming a full, you know, 10 to 20 character name method down to like the letter A1 or something like that, that it may break. You can still test, you know, your application before it goes into production, and there are there are really a lot of of great um, Zap uh, optimizers and Zap obfuscators that that already exist out there. I, I typically tend to use commercial-based products because I'm uh, I've seen some of the free ones, and uh, while they may not offer everything, all of the features that I want, um, I usually use, uh, of course, back to Component One's uh, obfuscator, and I also use a Crypto obfuscator, which is uh, Crypto is also another very good very good choice for obfuscating. Have you ever used Dotfuscator? I have, and uh, I believe I, I've mentioned that one before in one of my posts, but um, uh, I never used it in an actual uh, commercial application. Just mm. a thing, just playing around with it. Mm. So, what are your plans for some other Windows Phone 7 applications other than the app that you're working for, uh, kind of like building your brand? Well, um, there's several other applications I've been thinking about. Um, I plan on really building, uh, since I'm in the healthcare industry, I probably will continue with that with some emergency department related applications. Um, I have also been talking to uh, some local businesses that want to jump on the Windows Phone 7 for uh, to use for their own advertising. So, um, you know, I also kind of have my uh, All About XAML app, which is for, you know, the user group, but um, I, I am seeing that more businesses are interested in the uh, Windows Phone 7. I think they have not been able to find, uh, you know, the right person or the right resources, you know, to build that just yet because the iPhone market is, is so flooded right now that, you know, everybody's telling them build an iPhone out, build an iPhone out, that, you know, they haven't been thinking that much of Windows Phone 7. But um, with with time, I believe Windows Phone 7 will uh, will be a great phone. Now, talking about will be, do you think that <laughs> there is currently – it lacks some features that probably some other phones have, like the Android and the iPhone, and probably the most prominent is the fact that it doesn't support multitasking and background operations. Now, of course, 
they showed it that it will be there eventually. And there is a task manager demo that kind of shows how you can switch between tasks. Right now, do you think there's a lack in background processing and that the tombstoning is not exactly what you want? Well, you know, I would say one of the things that, you know, I first tweeted about and I guess I complained about was uh, no Pandora. And, you know, I have tried, you know, other, you know, sources like Slacker. And uh, Slacker, to me, was, was, you know, annoying because of all of the ads. But not being able to, you know, break out of that application, put it in the background, and then go and check the email, I think is, you know, an very important feature for you know a phone in 2011 I, I would almost say that you know that should be you know a standard as a you know a web browser that background you know background running applications needs to be you know a minimal you know type of thing so I think I think it's very important I mean that's it's one of the things that you know I always you know wanted and was looking forward to what are some practices that you would recommend beginner Windows Phone 7 developers to follow when developing applications. Now that you have the experience of shipping an app to the marketplace, you have the experience developing apps, some general advice. Uh, general advice for me is I'm a very big, I guess, believer in the model view view model uh, design pattern. And MVVM Lite uh, from Galasoft, they provide a Windows Phone 7 um, uh, Windows Phone 7 and I think Silverlight uh, templates. They also provide uh, code snippets. I, I would say, you know, if you're getting into Windows Phone 7 development, to you know at least give it a try. Um, I believe that it makes uh, it makes learning and building a true MVVM application very simple. Um, I, I've known you know several people that have used it that have enjoyed it. I would also say you know for that you know new uh, person kind of getting into it to play with the templates to you know go ahead and try the data bound application, try the pivot, try the panorama application, and uh, even if you're just looking at the base uh, template that it provides, you know looking through the kind of seeing how it all how it all works together and um, I guess kind of going from there to uh, looking at potentially what you know what type of apps are in the iPhone that are selling very well basically try to find something that nobody else is doing or you know if they are doing it try to find a way to make it better mm -hmm. so are there any resources you would recommend for beginner Silverlight and Windows Phone 7 developers well First of all, it's your blog, of course, which is a great learning resource. And yeah, I'll, I'll give you the link. And what about other resources, books, sites, whatever? Oh yes, um, actually, the uh, actually just Silverlight.net has a lot of great resources, and uh, you can also from there go to uh, the forums, forums uh, off the Silverlight main page. The Silverlight forums are a great place to post questions and to you know get answers kind of back and forth. I would also recommend um, for Windows Phone 7 to uh, download the free ebook by Charles Fetzoid, which is uh, his Windows Phone 7. Uh, you can grab that right off of his uh, right off of his website. He you know he is he is one of the best authors and uh, um, 
I'm actually hoping to meet him in uh, in June at a uh, uh, event. So uh, there's a lot of great resources out there. You know, you just have to uh, you have to kind of weed through some of the other sites. But yeah, I'd start with the uh, Silverlight.net and check out you know the forums, and then I would go to his book. And um, I would also like a Silverlight Cream, which is a post. Uh, Dave Campbell usually posts every every couple of days the best of a blog post. Um, I would also recommend checking out Alvin Ashcroft's uh, Dewdrop. Yeah, Dewdrop. That's it. He he has he has a great uh, he has a great collection of links uh, every morning and and he is so fast at adding at adding the links. So I mean, uh, pretty much as soon as it's released on the web, it seems like it's in his uh, dew drop for the morning. Awesome. So we learned a lot about your Silverlight experience, your Windows Phone Seven experience today, and uh, you can share the URL for your blog with people. Is it? Michael yeah, Crump. it's uh, yeah. Just simply go to michaelcrump.net, and you'll see all of my Silverlight Windows Phone Seven content. You can, um, of course, on the uh, sidebar, you can scroll down and either subscribe to whatever RSS feed that you you would like. You know, I also at times I may talk about you know just regular C sharp going from Lambdas to just whatever I find interesting uh, for the day. So. Uh, I've created RSS feeds for whatever topic kind of interests somebody. If, because uh, I have people that, you know, they don't want to see my post on Oracle. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can grab the RSS feed on whatever you like. And you have the uh, microchrome.info, the, the Silverlight. Yes, yes microchrome.info. That is the uh, Silverlight uh, base site that I just created, and uh, it's. I guess but more of the marketing tool. It shows a couple of the different uh, component one third-party controls that I used as well. Great. So this was the podcast with Michael Crom. Thanks a lot, Michael. It was great to talk to you today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you.